Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Awesome. Today is the last part of our series, Word to the Wise. We've been together uh, in this journey, going through Proverbs for nine weeks now. And Proverbs can keep going, man. We could do a two-year series on Proverbs because the well is so deep and Proverbs is such a profound, profound book. Uh, but today I want to share a message on a subject that you find in several passages in Proverbs. In fact, you find all over the scripture. And I want to talk about material wealth today. I told you three weeks ago that this was the final three and we were going to talk about three areas that the Bible calls us to have discipline the scriptures lead us to discipline and the first week we talked about the lust of the flesh right and the second week we talked about uh work or or the pride of life is what the new testament uh call it and today we're going to talk about finances and the wealth i thought about titling the month the message money 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 <laughs> but then you would have to say money and I was like, that, that wasn't going to work unless you sing it, right? Money, 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 money. <laughs> <It's a lot. laughs> There's a lot more where that's coming from. Uh, dad jokes. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, message title is Wisdom and Wealth. Wisdom and Wealth. See, most of Proverbs is believed to have been written by King Solomon. King Solomon was King David's son. And... Uh, many believe that Solomon was, at the time, by far, the wealthiest man on earth. He had the dough. This guy had it going on. Uh, but how did it all begin? How did his journey into wealth begin? How did Solomon become successful? Did he yearn for money? Did he go after it every day? Did he grind and hustle? Did he go after power and fame? Was that his pursuit? Uh, we don't have to guess. We can find out. Uh, it's, it's in a passage in the book of 1 Kings. It tells us the story of Solomon's prayer and his conversation that he had with the Lord. So let's look at the beginning of Solomon's reign when he took on uh, the kingdom and received the kingdom from his father. He is praying to God. Verse 7 of chapter 3 in 1 Kings says this, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. He wasn't actually a child. He was a young man. But this is him, uh, the way that he is presenting himself to God. Like, I don't know anything. And your servant is in the midst of your people who you have chosen. A great people. Too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people. That I may discern between good, good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, 
I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare to you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So his heart was for the people. His heart was to lead the people well. He said, God, there's so many people that I need to lead now. I need the sermon to know what's good and evil. I need the sermon so that I can lead your people well, so I can love them well, so I can, I can be a good king. And God was like, man, that's because you didn't ask me for strength to defeat your enemies or riches. I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you wealth. And it's, it's an interesting connection that happens here when God guides Solomon. Now, we read the scriptures, and we read the scriptures as the word of God, right? We believe that the scriptures are inspired, that it comes alive when we put it to practice. In fact, scripture, uh, the, the Bible says that all scriptures is breathed out, and it is profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training, in righteousness, that every person may be trained and complete, equipped for every good work. Now, we believe that the words from the Scripture are from God's heart. We believe that Scripture is inspired, and it's from God's heart to our heart. But it helps to know that the vessel, the person through whom God spoke, is a person that had this kind of heart, a kind of heart that... He had a, a deep desire to care for the people. The people were at the center of Solomon's heart. A leader that asked God not for gold, not for silver, not for power. He didn't really chase after those things, but he wanted understanding. He wanted wisdom to lead people well. I think that that's an example for us to follow. It's an example for us to, to consider. And it was that heart that moved God in such a way that God said, I'm not only going to give you what you're asking for. I'm going to give you the other things that you, I know you want, but you didn't even ask for. I'm going to give you both. So the words we're about to read from Proverbs throughout this message are scripture, and we believe that it's God's word, but they came through this man who had this kind of heart. I just want you to contextualize it uh, because it's important. Now, I believe it's important for every person who follows God, who's, who's a God-believing person, to have a healthy relationship with money. We all have our own financial pursuits, right? We all have our own way. We, we are aware that we need to pursue, to have financial pursuits because we live in a society that that's how we function. It's how we function in this society. Money makes survival possible. If I dropped you in the middle of the Amazon forest, hundreds of miles away from civilization, and I gave you a million dollars cash in a bag, it wouldn't help you. you. You would not be able to bribe a jaguar not to eat you. You would be lunch. 
You'll be a meal. You'll be a, a, a meal. Mil, you'll be a millionaire. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. It is in my notes. I wrote it down because it was so good. <laughs> now, <laughs> there's more where that's coming from. <laughs> now, if I give you a million dollars here in Stanford, it can change your life. It could change your life because we all have given money value. And we know that money can do certain things for us. Money can bring provision for our family, for our kids, for, for those that we love, for ourselves. Money can provide shelter, education. It can provide security, sense of security, comfort, access, influence, control. Power and at every degree you have those things and more, right? Money will allow us to experience these things and other things alike. And there's a lot of good that can happen when finances grow. There's a lot of good that can happen when you see the result of your labor and, and finances grow. But at the same time, we have all seen some stuff, right? We, all, we have all seen the dark side of what money can do. Family fighting for an inheritance. Money dividing friends. A partnership going sou gone sour. Started so well, but it just disintegrated. Because at some point, the interest of money kind of diluted things. And sometimes it can be hard to discern when the good ends and when bad begins. And we can kind of navigate that line not really knowing if we're ever crossing over. Like Solomon, we can have dreams and desires and opportunities in front of us, but our desire is to know, where's the line? I want to be able to discern between good and evil. I want to be able to make a decision that is clear when it comes to finances. Especially when it comes to our pursuit, how we spend our time. So I want to shed light in this message today in a practical way and give you some advice. This is not exhaustive, obviously, but I want to give you some good advice from the scripture on how to make those decisions and how to frame your life. Because I believe that the wisdom from the scriptures will allow us to have a healthy relationship with money. See, money is only a blessing where there is wisdom. If there's no wisdom, it can be a curse. And God has given you a path. I believe God has given you a path for you to be blessed. Not only you, your family members. For those uh, that, that are coming after you to be blessed. For your children to be blessed. And for you to, to change circumstances in your family line. So three things I'm going to share with you today that wisdom says about you and money. Okay? Number one is this. Wisdom says your heart shapes your wealth. Your heart shapes your wealth. See, you can be a godly king or a wicked peasant. Or the opposite. You can be an evil magnet or a good and kind person who's broke. Money doesn't make you good. Money doesn't make you evil. Money gives you the opportunity to showcase what's on the inside. 
The more money you have, the more extravagant your blessing can be, and the more horrible your decisions can be as well. You have a lot of opportunity for, for bad things. The things that you can afford um, increase in both spectrums. Your wealth, no matter how big, can serve both purposes. The thing that makes a difference is your heart. Your heart is what makes a difference on how you're going to act. And if we focus on growing our, our wealth only, which is the, the drive of our generation, right? If we focus on, on getting after it, but we don't develop our hearts, we don't develop our character, we'll get to a place where our purchasing power, where our spending power will outpace our self-control, will be greater than our ability to handle it. Listen to what Proverbs says, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous shall flourish as the green leaf. Why? Why will you fall if you trust in riches? Why is the scripture telling us that? I think it's, it's because of a simple fact that money is subjective. Wealth gives you no guidance. It gives you no foundation. It gives you no path. It gives you no conviction. And this proverb is a warning. See, the proverb is not telling you to reject wealth. It's not telling you to reject riches. It's telling you that one is greater than the other. Righteousness is greater than wealth. So we should focus and pursue on the greater things. We should focus on, on what's greater. Another verse, Proverbs 17, 16 says this. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom? Punctuation is very important here, right? Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? In other words, you can't buy wisdom. You can pay for advisors. You can, you can pay for therapists. You can pay for analysts. You can, you can pay for uh, consultants to come and do you know, a, a whole charting and analysis of your business. But at the end of the day, your life is in your own hands. It's your decision that's going to make a difference. So heart drives and shapes your wealth. It's very simple, but it's very important that we get those two things in the right order. Number two, wisdom says, work your land. This is very important as well. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says this. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Now, land here represents the area in your life where you have natural talent and ability. The area in your life that comes easy to you. Things that are easier for you than it is for others. And you might not even realize, right? Some of you, you are great in conversation. You conversationalists. You can pick up a conversation with a stranger and be friends in three minutes. Some of you, you're great with numbers. You think in numbers. You can, you can do math like nobody else. But not only math, like you, you, you have a mind for charts and, and graphs and all sorts of things. Some of you, you have a mind for art. You think artistically, creatively. You have brilliant ideas. 
Some of you, you leadership comes easy. You can, you can gather a team in own time and assign tasks and get everybody working easily. In fact, in, fact, during the fam- in family gatherings, you're the go-to person where they say, hey, how do we put this together? And everybody looks to you and you, you don't even know, like, how, how did this happen? It just because it comes out of you naturally. And maybe you're not yet excellent in any of those areas. You're not, you have not yet mastered it. But you have what it takes to be excellent. And that's what's important. So you got to work your land. See, you're not, going to be succe- you're not going to be a successful surgeon if you faint at the sight of blood. It's not going to work. Could you imagine that? You're not going to be a great financial advisor if you can't do math, if you don't like numbers. We tend to dismiss that which is familiar to us. We tend to dismiss the things that come easy to us because we think it's too familiar. So for those of you who are starting out or those of you who are not yet satisfied with your journey in life and you're looking, you're, you're trying to develop yourself and maybe you're, you're at a place financially where you know you could be doing better. And it's not this arrogant you know, greed for finances. You, just, it just, you know that you have the capacity to produce more. Let me give you this advice from the scripture. Focus on your land and work your land. If your neighbor's grass is greener, as they say, it's probably because your neighbor is working their land. If their life seems more attractive, it's probably because they've been working at it. And sometimes, that's what happens. Sometimes we can see somebody else doing well. We can see what other people have and we can desire it because it feels like it came so easy to them. But we don't know what happens on the background. We don't know what goes on on the back end. Work your own land. And if you don't know what your land is, it's probably more obvious than you think. Sometimes you think it's over the hill. It's probably not over the hill. It's probably under your nose. That's why you can see it. You're looking out there, but it's closer to you than you think. So for those of you who are starting out, maybe restarting, maybe thinking of restarting, here's some advice that I think will be profitable. Find the areas in your life where you are closest to being a 10. If the scale is from, from 1 to 10, 10 being best, Find those areas of your life where you're closest to being a 10. If, if 10 is best and you are a natural 5 in people management, problem solving, and finding good solutions, you're likely a natural born leader. It's likely that it's within you to lead people, to manage people. So it's going to be easier for you to get, grow from that 5 to a 10. If you get into a leadership path, if, if you find a path in leadership that you can develop yourself. If you want to become a pianist, but it takes you three months for you to learn Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, I'm sorry. I got to break it to you. You might be able to get to be like a seven in 10 years if you really apply yourself. But it's going to be impossible nearly unless by a divine intervention for you to be a 10 right? So you got to be aware of the things that come natural to you. If you are a six in interior design and remodeling, and you're a three in math, 
But you convinced yourself, you think that to be in finance is better and safer because we're so close to Wall Street and there's so much wealth all around us. I'm just giving you a scenario, right? And so you go down that path that doesn't really please you, but it seems like the responsible thing to do. You can work really hard to get that three up to a seven, and then you're competing in the, in the most densely competitive environment for financial uh, services, very competitive market, and all that effort might get you to be a seven, an in, in, in average performer, which is not bad. Or you can work that six in interior design up to a 10, and you will be excellent in the area that you are naturally gifted and you have greater gift in. Scripture is telling us, work your land. And every one of us, we have a land. Now, it's your life. It's your life. But I want to encourage you today to put things into perspective and bring the presence of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit into your life so that you can continue to work your land. God has given you ability and He has given you what you need. I believe there's a reason why God has called you here. There's a reason why He has planted you here. There's a reason why He caused you to live here in this season, in this time. And I, I believe that God wants us to bear good fruit for His kingdom. So don't let yourself be discouraged or even inspired by the unrighteous people who gain wealth quickly. And, and you know, it seems like they're hustling and bustling and, and you're just grinding. And gosh, I need to make some progress. Know that God is for you. If you work your land, your diligence will pay off. Run your race, work your land, trust the Lord. God will take you there. Number three, very simply... Is this wisdom says reward comes from the Lord? Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, the word rich here, I know that we talk about immaterial wealth, which is very important, it's probably the highest kind of wealth, I believe, having a healthy family good relationships, a blessed marriage. Those are things that are real and immaterial wealth that really uh, give us sustenance and a good foundation for life. But the word re rich here, it talks specifically about money. It, this word rich, rich in, the in the original, it's, it's a Hebrew word that says wealth measured by money. That's the meaning, the definition of the word. So Solomon is not talking about anything else other than actual uh, resources. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. It means that God's blessings add provision to your life. In other words, that which God blesses prospers. That which God blesses prospers. And the question is, are we living the kind of life that God would bless? Are we living the kind of life, making the kind of decision, pursuing the kind of things that God would bless? And here's another thing that we should ask ourselves. Why would we pursue the blessing and not pursue God, who is the one who gives the blessing? Why would, you, why would we run after things and not run after the one who provides? Why would we seek 
that which is temporary and not give our lives to the source of all, all life. You got you to know this today that every time we talk about money and church, it gets iffy because you might have exposure and relationship with church and religious environments that were not healthy. But I got to tell you today, like God, God doesn't want to take your money. He doesn't. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want, he doesn't want you to be poor either. God wants your heart. It's a completely different category. God wants your heart. Listen to this passage also in Proverbs. Proverbs 19.1. Better is the poor that walk it. Okay, I'm going to read my version. <laughs> Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than the one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Better is a poor person who walks in integrity. In other words, if you have to choose between getting money or having integrity, choose integrity. Choose the higher thing and trust the Lord for your provision. Because the reward doesn't come from men. The reward comes from the Lord. You shouldn't, you shouldn't compromise your integrity to make a buck. That's what the scripture is saying. We shouldn't compromise what we know to be right simply to get ahead financially. We should choose integrity and trust the Lord for provision. Look at what Jesus said. This is Jesus just confirming this scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 33. A very well-known scripture we've read here before, but it's good to recap. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For Gentiles, those who don't uh, live for God, seek after those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek God first and all your material needs will be added to you. It's important to get those things right. That's how you develop a healthy relationship with money. The problem in our society today and, and our culture is that we make money our savior too often. Too often finances become the ultimate and become the thing that we desire. There's a, star, there's a story in, in, in the scripture in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus encounters a, a, a person that the, the Bible simply describes as a rich young ruler. And this is believed to be a very wealthy person who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I desire everlasting life. I desire the eternal kind of life. What do I need to do to achieve it? What do I need to do to receive it? What do I need to do to receive eternal life? And Jesus told him, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Honor your parents. Don't steal. And don't defraud people. Those are the five things that you need to live well. And he said, those things I've done from my youth. I've done since I was a kid. And scripture says that Jesus looked at him, verse 21, and he loved him. And this is what Jesus said to him. You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. 
and you will have a treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. There's one more thing Jesus said. Money has gripped your heart. There's one more thing. You are living for your wealth. There's one more thing. What you have is really number one in your heart. So I want you to get rid of it. Can you let go of it and come and follow me? Can you let go of your pursuit, financial pursuit, and come follow me? See, Jesus didn't ask the the, the young ruler to be poor. He asked him to let go of his riches. That's a different thing. He, he, He asked him to give it all away. Not to be ruled by it. Not to be subjugated to it. It's an important distinction. It is good to be diligent with your money. It's good to have a plan. It's good to be prudent, to be wise, to make good decisions, to have a plan for your family, to have a a plan for your posterity, to, to be a good steward. But how important is money to you? It's a question for you to answer to yourself. How important is money to you? If you had to let go of your money or to let go of God, which one would you keep? If you have to let go of financial provision or let go of your relationship with God, which one would you keep? Which one would you want? That's why the young ruler did not reach salvation and everlasting life that day. And that's why he walked away sad. Because he couldn't do it. His heart was gripped by his wealth. See, I don't want to relieve this tension today because this tension is good. See, I could appease you right now and, and ease the resistance and hesitation and saying, see, Jesus doesn't want you to be, to be poor and, and show you all the passages in the Scripture that tell you all the people that were blessed from Abraham all the way to um, some of the other people like Zacchaeus in the scripture. But I want to end this message in this point of tension right here. Because this is what I want you to hear today. You can, you can still run after money and desire it more than anything. You can say that to yourself. I can still run after money and desire it more than anything. Because God wants me to be blessed. So I could just go after it. And I don't want you to think that way today. That's not what I want you to hear. If you hear that, I'd be doing a bad job. See, wealth is an accessory. Wealth is a byproduct. Wealth is a tool. Wealth is a resource. It's not the end, and it's not the beginning. And if we make money the alpha and the omega in our lives, if we make it the beginning and the end of our pursuits, and, and we put God and His church in the middle, just like an add-on, like this thing that we do when we have time, we will be serving the wrong God. See, for, for, for millennia, people had multiple gods. They had multiple gods. 
And I think that we do live in an in a era where people have multiple gods, whether they know it or not. And they worship different things with their lives. They give their attention and they worship it. They might not call it worship, but that's, that's what it is. It's reverence. It's devotion. It's the laying down of your life for that thing. And the first thing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did was to say, you shall have one God. Your heart is not designed to be split between all these different gods. But what can happen is that we put Jesus in our religious God box and we can put wealth and finances in our secular God box and we serve both. And sometimes one rules our life, but on Sundays we come back to God and we live in that seesaw, a seesaw of values, a seesaw of emotions. And I want to encourage you today to have a heart that pursues God first. Solomon was a God-fearing man who, became, who began his adult life with a deep desire to serve and lead the people of God. He abandoned his ambitions. He pursued the heart of God for his people. Oh, that we may have a heart, heart of a child that yearns for God. A heart of a son, a heart of a daughter that wants God's presence more than anything. Oh, that we may have a heart of devotion for the Lord, for the things of God. That we may let go of earthly things. That we may have the strength and the fortitude to abandon it all, to leave it all for God. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples after the encounter with the rich young ruler. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, verse 23, chapter 10, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26, and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Because in that culture, they thought, if you're, we if you're wealthy, it's because God blessed you and you're closer to salvation. And Jesus is saying the complete opposite. He's saying it's really hard for people who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. So they're like, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Then Peter began to say this. He said, see, we have left everything and followed you, Jesus. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you. Now pay attention to this. This is important. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one, not one, who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions with trials, with tribulations, and in the age to come, they'll receive eternal life. Let me tell you something. When you live for God, God will take care of you. When you live for the Lord, He will take care of you. And I can tell you from a personal, personal experience that God has taken care of me. He has taken care of my family. Some of you know our story uh, 
We were just kids from a small town. I was born in a town called Piraberaba, a little German village in the southern state of Brazil. And, uh, and there, you know, I grew up in, in a church. My dad planted a church when I was five years old, and that was the church that I grew up in. I learned how to just give it all for the Lord and, and live for God. And uh, Alini, she was actually born in the same town as I was, but she came to the States very young, uh, lived in Connecticut for most of her young life. And she, uh, when she was in high school, she received a full scholarship, academic scholarship, for uh, a school of medicine in, in Yukon to go for, for medical school in Yukon. She always had a heart to help people and take care of people and but it wasn't a season of life where she wasn't living for God completely. She was aware of God, but she wasn't really devoted to the Lord. And, and she went through a, 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 an experience with God that um, through our relationship and, and coming to visit uh, our church in Brazil, she, she decided to leave it all. And she said, I want, I want to live for God like that. I want, to, I want to give my life to the Lord like that. And so she left that promising career that was ahead of her and simply left her parents and moved to Brazil uh, only in part to marry me. Uh, but really to pursue the Lord, to pursue His will. And then, a couple years later, God calls us to leave my family and leave all the securities that I had with my family and, and my, my father and, and the church to come to Houston, Texas, where we knew nobody. And it was a tough transition. And for a moment, we suffered in every area. I remember there was a, there was a day, it was a Wednesday. I opened the pantry and all we had was a bag of popcorn. And I had $5 in my wallet. And I had the choice to either put 5 bucks to go knock on doors to try to get a job because back in those days, there was no Indeed. There was no Monster.com. There was no Google. I had a flip phone, Sprint flip phone where you had to pay 10 cents to send a text. And you had the green sheet, classifieds, huh? Where you go look for work, make a little circle, and then you have to drive to the place. So gas was important. And even though gasoline was $1.13 a gallon, Let's let it sit a little bit. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was that $5 either would buy me a few gallons of gas for me to go find work, or I could go to church and volunteer and serve. I was serving at the church at the time, and I chose to go serve God. And that night, that night on my drive home, I told this story here before, so I'm not going to say in detail, but I got lost, and because I got lost, I got a job. That night, the next day, I was able to go into that job, make $80 in tips, fill our, our pantry, because God is faithful. And then we spent over 10 years in Houston building our lives, and God blessed us because God, God, what God blesses, He prospers, Right? What God blesses prospers. So our life continued to prosper. And 
we, we bought a home in Midtown Houston, overlooking the city. It was five minutes from work at the church. It was fantastic. Maya had just been born, and we had a multitude of family and friends. Exactly what Jesus said. Like, I didn't have my parents. I didn't have my siblings. But I had mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, friends in the church community that God placed us in. And then God calls us to Connecticut. And there we go again. Sell our house. Sell everything. Pack everything in a very large Penske truck. And drive up to Stanford where we know nobody. In 2013, when the state was still recovering from from the 2008 crash, a lot of unemployment people... I met, God, I met financiers, like financial advisors that were working at J. Crew, trying to get a job at Apple, competing with me. They won. <laughs> it, was, it was a tough season. I remember when Alina got pregnant with, the, with our Mono Mono twins, uh, and it was a difficult pregnancy. And that Thanksgiving, they were at home, healthy, had just gotten from the NICU, and we had less than $100 in our bank account because we had exhausted all of our savings. Everything that we had was exhausted. But we chose to serve God, and we're here seven years later today, and God has provided. God has provided because He is faithful. I can say with a clean and open heart that none of the things that God has provided to us have my heart. None of those things that we had before and now, have, they're all the Lord's. And I know that He provides and that He is good. He has my heart and, and Jesus has my heart. And we would give it all up in a, in a blink of an eye if God led us to. I want to I infuse that in your heart today. Because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. It is the Lord that changes situations. It is He that transforms situations. And many of you have experienced that you're here because of it. You're here because God has called you here. You're here and you left your family. You left your, your towns. You left your countries. And you're here because God called you here. Maybe you, got away, you became aware of His calling after. But that's why you're here. Let me encourage you, friends, to live for God. And allow and believe that God is a rewarder. So take care of your heart, work your land, and trust the Lord for the reward. And He will take you places that you never could go yourself. Do you believe it today? And do you receive it? Amen. Let me pray for you. Why don't you stand? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together, the people of Connect Community. I thank you, Lord, for every person who's here this morning under the sound of my voice who came to receive from you, Lord, who came to worship you. God, I pray that a spirit of peace may come into their hearts. All anxiety about finances, Lord, all anxiety about provision, all anxiety about career, Lord, I pray that you lift it off their bodies and their minds in the name of Jesus. God, let them know that you are the provider, that you are the rewarder. And God, give him, give him, Lord, a determination to develop their hearts, develop their character, to allow, Lord, your presence to lead them. Cover, me, cover, cover them in your love, 
and your grace every day of their lives. And allow them, Jesus, to receive from you the peace and the guidance needed to continue to prosper in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord be good to you this week in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you so much. Are you glad you came to Connect Community this morning? Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.